Listening to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth with the Simply 127 podcast. I'm excited to be at SBC this week with my new friend, Jackie King. <laughs> Um, thanks for coming on the show today, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'd love for you just to kind of give us a one-minute introduction for people who don't know you, who you are, where you live, a little bit about what your world looks like. All the things. <laughs> um, so I am originally from Dallas, Texas, I'm born and raised kind of outside of Dallas, and we just recently moved to central Arkansas, so I'm an Arkansan now. <laughs> I know. It's taken a little bit of adjusting. Um, but we have three boys that are 10, almost nine, and almost six. Um, so my life is constantly breaking up wrestling matches and breaking things and putting them back together with Gorilla Glue. So <laughs> You're a little outnumbered in your house. I'm too. very outnumbered. My dog is a girl, so I made sure that at least my little, um, my big dog would be um, part of my tribe. So it's her and I. Awesome. <laughs> And what do you guys do in central Arkansas? So my husband is a lead pastor, and we moved there so that he could lead uh, Second Baptist Conway. And so he leads that, and then I do our women in ministry and um, and a bunch of other random things that pastor's wives do. So <laughs> The jack of all trades. Yes, lots of hats. <laughs> awesome, awesome. It's good to meet you finally in person. I know yes, you've been so Twitter good to hug friends. your neck. <laughs> <laughs> for a while. I love the internet for that reason. Um, so the podcast is basically just to help people hear stories of people who are simply living out James 127. Mm-hmm. And so I'd seen on social media your adoption story. We'd just love to know more, um, maybe how God stirred your heart first for orphan care, for adoption, uh, a little bit of the beginning piece of that journey. Yeah. Um, so I know many of you that have maybe adopted or been in foster care, those kind of things, even, um, just being advocates for that, there is no easy or clean path for (laughs) this, right? Um, so many of you that are listening will probably definitely resonate with that. Um, I don't know my biological dad. And so my stepdad adopted me. And I think that is honestly what the Lord used to really show me the gospel. Um, and so he was the dad that I never had. He um, coached my softball games and um, just loved me well. And so whenever I was kind of approaching late teens and early adulthood and then even dating my husband, um, it was just always birthed in me that I wanted to be that and to have adoption be a part of my story because God had shown so much of his chase after my own heart, mm-hmm. his protection um, for me, that my life could have looked very different if it weren't for my dad. Um, and so when I got married or we were dating and then got married, we had always thought that we were going to do foster care to adopt um, because that was local and cheap because, you know, the state covered it. Um, but then we were ministering um, kind of in the DFW Metroplex in this very affluent suburb. And the Holy Spirit really just started convicting us of, you may not feel rich, but you are the rich um, being here in America and how blessed we are and how much we have. And even though our system is broken, very broken, um, there is still a system that is trying to take care of our children to where 
overseas and in different countries, they have nothing. And so the Lord really just started convicting us of where are you putting your money and where are you maybe only stepping in parameters that you feel are comfortable and safe and really honestly asking us to kind of just at least look into international adoption. Consider um, it. <laughs> consider it. Like, what would this look like? And so um, our story is very odd. Like, we got our computers out and we Googled poorest countries in the world. And Wikipedia had these three lists. And at the bottom of each list, there was the DR Congo and um, right in the middle of Africa. And so um, we just kind of looked at each other and we said, let's go there. And we wanted to, like naively, because we didn't know a ton about international adoption, to be honest with you, or even just international, like what Africa was like. Um, but it was almost just kind of this naive ignorance of we want to go to the most broken, to the most mm -hmm. dark, and be a little bit of light there. And um, and so the next day we um, got up and then we started Googling. I started Googling, like, are there agencies, you know? Is this allowed? How <laughs> do you do possible? this? You know, yes. <laughs> um, and so we found an agency that had just started their pilot program um, with DR Congo. And um, had you been to Africa before? We had never been to Africa before. I had been to China um, for a mission trip, but that was the only time out of the country that I had been. And so I started reading this book, um, not about DR Congo, it was actually about Rwanda, um, called Left to Tell. And it's a New York Times bestseller, and it's this woman's journey through the Rwandan genocide. And so I know each country has very different stories, obviously, and struggles. Um, but I think it was a great picture of what it looked like. Um, there's a line in there, I read it so many years ago, but she essentially said that, you know, all of these men and women were being killed and the world was watching and did nothing. Mm -hmm. And it was such a convicting line to where, like, I just remember reading it and thinking, we can't not do, we can't do nothing. You know, like we, we love Jesus and we say we love Jesus and God has done so much for us. Like, how can we watch so many struggle and hurt and yeah. just sit back on the sidelines. I kind of put it into context for oh, you guys. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So when I say naively, we wanted to go into the dark. We had no idea how dark it was. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were in the DR Congo program for four years and ended up being matched and then lost um, our little guy, Jude, um, through a lots of different circumstances. And so then after that, we ended up um, actually switching over to the Ethiopia program. And that's where we got to bring home our little guy, Amos. Um, so we have been all over the roller coaster of international adoption and just different countries. We've gotten to, you know, kind of be educated on different countries within Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. was your husband immediately on board or was he a little <laughs> uh, slow to the game? He... He was always just, he's very simple, I think, which I love, which is good because I'm constantly thinking of, um, you know, 500 things at a time. Um, and so he just knew we need to adopt. Like our slogan was um, adoption is the gospel with skin and bones on it. And that was on our t-shirts, you know, how we raised money and stuff because we saw just the spiritual side physically through adoption and through pursuing adoption. And even the I think spiritual attacks, the ways that Satan tries to really bind a lot of that because it is such a close representation of what the gospel is yeah. to us. Um, and so I think um, he it, he was on board, not necessarily in the details. I definitely did all of the paperwork, um, but he was very much like for this is what we're going to do. This is what God has called us to do. And mm -hmm. there's no stopping till it's done. So five years later. <laughs> 
It's a long pursuit, <laughs> yes. but worth it. So it's a lot, I know, and and that is the very abridged version of kind of where we got where we did. Um, but it's it's been very cool, and I know with adoption and just fighting for the orphan, there is so much that you learn about God. So um, I think he too would say that we went in thinking we were going to do something for an orphan, and and the flip side of it, like the Lord taught us so much about us as orphans, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, yeah. And then how did your church, you're still in Texas when you got back. Yes. So was that well received? Were you guys kind of pioneers or were there other families that were interested in, in yeah. what God was doing through your family? Um, I think Josh very regularly preaches on the heart for the orphan um, and going after the orphan, going after the least of these. And so when we were in the DR Congo program, actually, we had several that joined the program with us. And so some of our best friends actually ended up bringing their daughters home before we even, like we had just lost Jude as they were bringing their daughter home. Um, And so we were joking about how our church nursery was becoming more um, diverse just because of the kids that were coming home and because of all of the adoptions that happened. And so... um, I think it's been cool just to see how the Lord has maybe used even our struggle. Like it, it's not pretty. I think adoption and caring for the orphan has kind of a very like causal, it's pretty, it's neat, you know, it's what you're supposed to do kind of thing. Um, but I think they got to see kind of the harder side of it as well, which made them appreciate it that much more. Yeah, so, it is messy. <laughs> it's very messy. I know you are in the mess, girlfriend, and I love you for it. <laughs> For sure. Um, What would you say to someone who was five years, as you were beginning your journey, you didn't know, have have any idea how long it was going to take. So what would you say to someone who's considering taking a step with adoption at this point? Goodness, that's a lot. Um, I think the first thing would be, be fluid. Um, I think, especially as Westerners, you know, and I don't know, it could be my A-type, like OCD, Um, But you kind of go into it hoping that it's going to be very clean and cut, and there's nothing clean and cut about anything international, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that we do things is very different than the way they do it. Um, And then I think most of all, it would be seek the heart of Jesus in each part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason why you get a lump in your throat when you hear stories of kids or you think about kids. And I think there's a lot of people that would actually chase after adoption if they would get past some of these fears and thinking that, um, well, that's for somebody else or God hasn't called me to that. And in all honesty, and I'm sure you would agree, like he, he has, like it's, it's there in James, like you said. Um, and so I think it's very easy for us because we're so busy, you know, here and we have a very busy culture to kind of look at pictures or look at organizations um, and think, well, they're doing a good job. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give money, you know, or I'm going to pray. And those are great things. Those are very tangible things. Um, but I, I think I would prod a little bit to ask, is he calling you? And are you just scared? You know, like, are you just unwilling to maybe get uncomfortable? Um, and so I can definitely look back and see where the Lord just consistently was after us. And, um, and really kind of challenging some of the cliches or the thoughts that we had behind it. Um, And I think what took us so long, and we did it relatively quickly, you know, in our marriage, um, but I think what took so long was just this fear of, well, where do I start, you know, and and can I do this? And this is easier for somebody else, you know, I'm not... 
I'm not equipped, you know, and just listening to some of those lies to where you can do so much. You don't have to officially adopt somebody, you know, you can go on a trip, you can um, read and study and pray and give and all of those things. And so I think I would encourage you just to take the step, the next step, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, Um, as scary as it may seem. And that could be just reading a book about it, of reading a book about Africa um, that could be taking a short-term trip just for the first time to kind of get off of American soil and see how things are different. Um, but that could be Googling, okay, God, like, where do you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia, the poorest it, country. Wikipedia, yeah, it's <laughs> it's sad. It's a sad list, so, but it's there. I was just thinking about uh, adoption and community. And so can you talk a little bit about how your church served you as you got home and adjusted to life um, as an adoptive family and um, maybe some a couple of stories that stuck out to you of just people being the body of Christ yeah. and surrounding you. Goodness. Um, so our church was so sweet. We had, um, you know, the typical airport celebration where they all um, were there with signs. And I can still think of this picture of one of my friends, and she was a church member um, of Darlene. She's probably like late 40s. And um, her face and our picture of us coming through the double doors at DFW is so big. And so I think because they had walked through us and pr- with it with us mm-hmm. and had prayed us through the loss of Jude, and then they had celebrated when we got our match with Amos. And um, so it was almost like they had been walking it all along with us, you know, the ups and the downs. And I think one of the things... Um, personally that I think I struggled with was feeling very alone. I think you can get very isolated and thinking nobody understands and um, and dossiers. I mean, it has a whole different language to it, you know, um, adoption and stuff. And so uh, there were definitely moments where I felt like they're praying and I know they love us, but they also don't understand. But then we were also very adamant about just trying to be as transparent as we could through the entire situation. And so when we lost Jude, you know, they knew it all and they knew what happened and um, they grieved with us, you know, and they called and they prayed and they sent letters um, because we wanted them to see and have a picture of what this is like, you know, like this isn't just a personal journey for us. This is something that we wanted others to come alongside. And so I think if you're passionate about foster care adoption, if you're passionate about Africa, like you are part of the voice that God is using to help educate and open eyes to what is happening around the world. And they may not have that same heartbeat as you, um, and that's okay. You know, like he's given us passions and heartbeats for different things, but you absolutely get to be a picture of what God is doing on other parts of the planet. And, um, and so I think them coming alongside us was such a big deal because they walked so much of the up and down with us. And I don't know that they, I'm sure they felt like, you know, what more can we do? And there was, I mean, we were asking what more can we do, you know, especially in losing Jude. Um, But at the same time, it was just such a beautiful picture of that biblical community, you know, that the Bible describes to where they're mourning with us, they're celebrating with us, they're meeting needs. They threw us a shower whenever we brought Amos home and tons of diapers and clothes, you know, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they made us meals and especially coming home, you know, it's coming home is really when the trenches start to, <laughs> to, to have to be dug because I mean, it's beautiful and the fight, it's almost just this big transition. At least it was for me. Um, because getting him home was a literal fight to, mm-hmm governments and systems, you know, and those kind of things. 
And so we got home and you think that, okay, it's pretty. We get to be a family of five and he has brothers now and everything's fixed, you know, and it's not like you're... It's not the end of the battle. It's the beginning almost of just a different battle because now not are you fighting for them to be home and to have a home, but now you're fighting for that loss that they've experienced, you know, and I know... um, Every adoption is marked by loss, marked by hurt, marked by something of brokenness. And I think sometimes we miss talking about that because it's hard. Um, And so the minute they're home and in your arms, like life is still going, people are still living their lives, but then you're fighting for God to heal that loss and that brokenness that they feel, even as a little boy. And, um, And so like he had never eaten solid foods. And so he's a year and a half years old and we're feeding him baby food, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how to um, deal with enzymes because he's not digesting things correctly, you know. And so you just get thrown into this whole new world of medical stuff and um, malnutrition and he's underdeveloped. He wasn't walking like he had no muscle in his legs at all because of just sitting in a box the first year and a half of his life. And so um, it's almost just this very abrupt shift of, okay, you're home. Like you fought that. Now get ready. We have a totally different battle we're about to fight. Yeah, um, that's good. And so it's just, it's very, I don't, I think more of the conversation needs to be a little bit more pointed, I think. Um, and then as the pointed conversation is happening, I think that allows other people to know how they can come alongside, if that makes sense. Um, Because it's very easy to hole up, and I think Satan is trying to come at you, you know, the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so community is huge because you're literally fighting not only a physical battle, but then also a spiritual, emotional, mental battle for them, for you, you know, and ultimately for the glory of God. Continue listening as Jackie shares what she believes is the number one lie that Satan uses, which is to try to convince us that we're isolated and alone. She also talks about some trends that we are seeing as international adoptions slow down and how churches can get involved in global orphan care in spite of this. <laughs> Is that something you personally were fighting? Just a lack of, not community, like you had people caring, mm-hmm. but just feeling alone and Satan telling you that yes. you're isolated. I feel like, and this could just be me, so I don't know, um, but I feel like that is probably the number one lie that Satan throws at me, whether it's being a pastor's wife or a leader or um, an adoptive mom. I think um, he just has a slithery way of saying, nobody understands, nobody is behind you, you're in this alone. Um, And I think that's what's really important about the adoption community, about organizations that help and come alongside and bring awareness, because you're not alone. Like there are so many that God has given that same heartbeat to. And so anytime that women and the body of Christ are able to come together and say, I see you, I totally get, yes, it's a bad day. And I've had those days. It makes you feel less crazy, you know, like, okay, I'm not losing my mind, you know, like it's just a day. Um, And so I think there's a level of, um, where really in the Bible, when it talks about community and like, I saw that so much in the adoption community. I mean, we had this Facebook group of um, families that had come home and it's like, okay, what are you doing with this? You know, and is this normal? And I think we have a parasite, you know? And so like all of these things that we would have never known about, but we're all coming together to be able to say, yes, this is normal. You should go to the doctor for that. There's a cream for this. 
Um, it's like and survive the day in yes, advance. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So there is no way to fight for the orphan alone. Mm-hmm. But I also will say, I think the Bible never intended for us to do it alone. And so um, there, there is a command there to go, and then there's a command there to be with and alongside. Um, because there's no way you can you can make it without one another. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Yeah. The international adoption scene is slowing way down it for is. good reasons and for um, not bad reasons, but I feel like there's a pro and con to both. So can you talk a little bit about maybe specifically Ethiopia? I think it's still yeah. completely closed. It is. So what is the, from your perspective, the pulse of international adoption? Mm. Where are we heading, yeah. you think? yeah. <laughs> Um, it's become very hard. And even as um, families and couples come to us and kind of ask, we say, you know, you really need to pray. You really need to do your research and you need to be ready um, for things to shift internationally. Because again, like I said, like nothing is nothing is normal or laid out. Um, right as we were moving um, back in our story and switching to Ethiopia, we had actually accepted a referral of a little girl after we lost Jude. And it was a total spirit thing. Like, I just had this feeling of you'd need to get out. And um, and so we ta- contacted our social worker and the president. We had already kind of worked with them because of losing Jude. Like we were <laughs> we were well versed with all of our agency. And um, and so we sent an email and had a phone chat and just said, you know, hey, um, I don't know what it is, but I really feel like if you would allow us to, please let us go over to Ethiopia. And so they let us switch over, and we started redoing paperwork for them. And then two weeks later, DR Congo shut down. And um, they've done documentaries on stuck um, and just all of these children that were stuck over in DR Congo. They were legally adopted. They just wouldn't let them out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, I've seen a lot just in our international journey um, to where it is just unpredictable. And I know that sounds scary, but even in the midst of that, like I can look back for sure and say, was it hard? Absolutely. But did I see God in so much of it? Absolutely. And did he bring so much awareness? Yes. Um, and so I think he used a lot of that darkness and a lot of that brokenness to really show us the world and show us the need. Um, that we would have never seen if we wouldn't have been obedient in that step. And there's a lot of it to where we question, you know, like, God, you know, you told us to fight for the orphan. Like, what is happening? You know, like, it's it's not happening, you know, and are we being disobedient? Like, did we choose the wrong thing? Um, and so with international adoption, you are stepping into just so much of the unknown, but that's also where a lot of trust and faith happen. Um, I also think that as the international adoption um, scene is kind of changing and closing off, that doesn't mean that we just stop. Um, That means that we get creative with how we meet needs within that country. And so um, that means how do we partner with you guys? How do we find organizations to where we can go in and help support moms to where they don't have, like there are orphanages full of kids right now where they're allowing Americans and you know, Germans and the French to come in and adopt, they are sitting there in an orphanage. And so our call is still the same. It's still there in James. And so, no, you may not be able to bring them into your home, but you absolutely still have a call to go and do something. Mm -hmm. And so are you signing up for that trip? Are you giving money to help aid to feed the children? Because, you know, Amos didn't get to eat hardly anything his first year and a half. And that's been something that has propelled us and something that we've had to deal with now and he's about to be six you know 
And so there is so much you can do. Um, you've mentioned a couple of resources. Do you have some, like, I think you said the Unstuck documentary or some yes. books or websites, your, maybe an agency that you would recommend if someone's just curious? Yeah, um, agencies. We love Gladney, Bethany Christian Services. Our agency was called A Love Beyond Borders out of Colorado. Um, there's so many, and a lot of it is specific to where you feel the Lord is leading you. And so, and I know it feels completely overwhelming in the beginning. Um, and so I would really encourage you just to reach out to somebody in your own community and um, reach out to Sarah Beth. You know, she's got some resources. Um, but I think a lot of it is just trying to connect with people that have done it and finding out their story and where did, how did you pick an agency? How did you um, decide what country you were going to go to. You know, there's so many questions that I think, again, a lot of people stop there because it just seems so overwhelming. And then we just kind of decide like, okay, clearly this isn't of Jesus <laughs> because there's so many options, you know? Um, and so I think the most, there's books, there's lots of books, you know? Um, and if you definitely have a heart for a certain country, you know, or something like that, then um, kind of specifically going there. But I would find women and families that have gone that you can just call up and find them on Twitter, you know, and say, hey, can I talk to you about this? I've had people do that with me. Um, and I'd be happy to talk with you, you know, about things. Um, but feel just, free to be curious. Yes, <laughs> just ask questions. And I think what you'll find is it'll still feel a little overwhelming, but then you've also got somebody right on the other end of the phone or on the other end of the computer that they've done it. Mm -hmm. And so there's almost that community aspect of like, okay, well, if they did it, I can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's so many resources out there that I think just kind of dependent on where you go and what lane you kind of choose um, is where you'll end up going. So um, there's a lot out there, um, if that helps. So. Yeah, I'll try to put some things in the show notes that we've that mentioned. That would be great, yes. That I can remember. So. <laughs> And how can people find you? You mentioned if people want to ask you questions yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Twitter, Facebook. It's Jackie, J-A-C-K-I, and then C King, K-I-N-G. Um, so you are welcome to find me on Twitter or send me an email. Um, I have a website, you know, that's the same, JackieCKing.com. Um, but I would love to just hear your story and cheer you on, answer any questions that you might have. And I probably don't have the answer, but I can definitely find it for you. So <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much. This is great information and great stories. Um, I love hearing how God uses stories in people's lives yes. and how you can use that now to encourage other people. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I love what you're doing. Yeah. So keep going. <laughs> Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next time to learn how others tangibly live out James 127 every day.